Hello and welcome to the CISS podcast. This is the Point series by China Forum. In this series, we will have one-on-one discussions with top-level officials, diplomats, well-known entrepreneurs, academics, and media experts from both China and abroad to hear their fresh insights on important global issues. Hello and welcome to the CISS podcast, The Point series. I'm Han Hua. Harvard professor Graham Allison, in his foreign affairs article, argues that the entire world became a de facto American sphere of influence after the Cold War. But now the unipolarity is over. The United States must share the world stage with other great powers, such as China and Russia. Will the U.S. strengthen or share its influential position under a Biden administration? Is the Belt and Road Initiative an attempt by China to establish its own sphere of influence? In this episode, Zhou Bo, a China Forum expert and the former director of the Center for Security Cooperation in the Office for International Military Cooperation, shares his opinions. How do you define the word "sphere of influence," and what are the sphere of influence in the world today? It actually means、uh, a country or an organization has a kind of exclusive authority over other states or other organizations, be it political, economical, or even military. And other states would show kind of deference. To the state in authority, United States always say it does need a sphere of influence. But as Graham Madison, a professor of Harvard University, pointed out, after the Cold War, basically the whole world is American sphere of influence. When Biden goes to the White House, do you think that kind of sphere of influence or the alliance will be strengthened? That definitely is、uh, one of the objectives of Biden administration. The question, rather, is whether he can succeed in doing that. I believe the success of American-led alliance, to a large extent, lies in how the United States would be willing to be sort of free-ridden by its allies. Because you're number one, other junior or small brothers take it for granted that you got to pay more. For example, NATO budget is covered by United States over seventy percent, and that is always considered unfair by American presidents. A sphere of influence comes at a certain price. No wonder people would think China is using the Belt and Road Initiative to establish its sphere of influence. So, what's your take on that? Some people even call Southeast Asia the backyard of China, but we still have American allies. We still have territorial disputes, so we do not enjoy that kind of、uh, exclusive influence in any region in China's periphery. We don't need it. Let me come back to your question of Belt Road. This is、uh, the offer of a developing country. During this whole process, Belt Road might、uh, also suffer some、uh, setbacks. For example, how can we expect?、Uh, The arrival of COVID-19, but China actually during the whole process has proven to be flexible. Belt and Road Initiative is not a trap. It's the largest project in human history, and we mean to be mutually beneficial. It definitely would change the landscape, especially the economic landscape of all these countries involved, and make their life much better. How do you convince the world that China does not want to establish its own sphere of influence? China today is an integral part of the international system. 
China's rise is from the existing international system. Therefore, there's no need for China to challenge the system. We live in the same world. We're in the same forest. We talk about being guardian of the international order. Is it possible for these two big countries to coexist peacefully in the same region, for example, in Southeast Asia? Well, that is really challenging because even if China doesn't、uh, seek sphere of influence, the United States would、uh, probably still consider the Western Pacific to be its、uh, sphere of influence, and that explains why the United States would、uh, keep on increasing its、uh, freedom of navigations. In the South China Sea, and、uh, will increase its surveillance and、uh, reconnaissance against China. We understand、uh, you have allies here. The point is, coexistence of China and the United States in this region should not be at the security cost of China. China doesn't want to be policeman. China doesn't want to export its social system or development model. Instead, China and the United States could cooperate anywhere, even militarily. To safeguard the world peace and provide some kind of security public goods, like what we have done in the Gulf of Aden, where Chinese Navy and the international Navy, including the American Navy, have actually joined hand in providing protection to international seafarers and merchant ships. A follow-up question: Because of the United States is thinking that China is competing with them on the sphere of influence, so they are even becoming more reluctant to be cooperating with China in the other areas and the regions. They call it strategic panicking. I believe、uh, their approach is wrong to take China as a strategic competitor. I don't believe their allies, Americans' allies, be it in、uh, Europe or in Asia, would actually. Follow Americans' lead. Why? Because China is the largest trading partner of all American allies. During their strategic panic period, what shall China do? I would say China still should remain calm. If you look at all these areas identified by them,、mm-hmm. in which we could、uh, cooperate, they are so few, they are so limited. You just cannot have a ninety percent competition with ten percent cooperation. It would change people's mentality and make people not so sincere about a ten percent cooperation.、Mm-hmm. So even if there is an element of cooperation in our relationship, we should try our best to make sure at least cooperation, even in mentality, could prevail over competition. And in the worst case, do not let the competition sliding into confrontation. <music>